0: Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the marketing podcast for marketers, marketing consultants, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you'll learn how to write and launch a book. My guest today has been on the show before and has just launched a new book uh, which is called Obviously Awesome, How to Nail Product Positioning so customers get it, buy it and love it. I actually pre-bought it a few weeks ago, finally uh, got to read it uh, this weekend. It's really good, but surprisingly enough, we are not going to talk about product positioning today. Instead, we're going to talk about the process that my guest took to actually write the book, launch it. And I know that she's been, she made a few mistakes along the way or a few things she would do differently. So super happy to have you, uh, April Dunford on board again. Welcome back.
1: Hey, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it should, it probably feels like, like home again. Like it feels like the, you know. That's it. The podcast you're going to come back to every six months or so. (laughs) sure to talk about your fuck ups
1: <laughs> yeah that's right
0: like a therapy session
1: so um, kind of like therapy that's what it is
0: it's like so therapy why did you decide to, to launch a book
1: well you know there's a handful of things like i i had this idea for a book on positioning like maybe six years ago i would say is six or seven years ago is the first time i had thought about it and the, you, my original thinking was that there isn't a good methodology for positioning, and so I would be spending a lot of time talking to companies about positioning, and people would—I'd be mentoring people, and they'd be asking me questions about positioning, and uh, and I didn't have a good book to point them to. There's there was a great book out called uh, "Positioning: The Battle for Your Mind" by these guys, Rise and Trout, Reason Trout, depending on how you want to pronounce it, and that was published in 1982. So before the Internet, a thousand years ago, but it's still a great book. And I still think if you want to learn something about positioning, that's the book you should start with. You should read it. What frustrated me about that book, though, is that it didn't actually give you any clues how to do it. So you read the book and you'll be like, oh my gosh, positioning is so important and it's so critical. And look at all these examples where they went from here to here, but I wasn't any closer to knowing how to do it. And so I knew how I was doing it as a vice president of marketing. And I thought, this is crazy. Someone should write the book on this. And so then, you know, five, six, however many years ago, I thought, well, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm going to write the book on it. But, you know, thinking you're going to write a book on something and write a book on something are actually two totally different things. Uh, But that's where the idea came from. The idea came from this is a necessary book. This book should exist. (laughs) And if no one else is going to write it, I'm going to write it.
0: So that was my original thought. So that was a a kind of a, a grandiose idea, in a sense, like trying to help the world. As well, like to learn a better way of, of positioning a product and all of that. Uh, but oh,
1: it's kind of selfish too, ah, right? So because that's what you, exactly what i You, you sick of answering the same damn question over and over again. So you know, people are coming in and and they're like, "So how do I position my startup?" And you're like, "Oh, okay, let's start from the beginning, right?" And I and I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And and I'm thinking, God, it'd be great if I could just you know slide this sucker across the table and say, "Read this," and come back to me with smarter questions, people. Like. <laughs> (laughs) So, uh, you know, so there was there was that idea. So one was, that you know, I thought it should exist in the world, too. I keep seeing that I'm answering the question over and over and over again. And, you know, and again, three, you know, I I like the idea of, oh, I was, you know, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be this useful thing. And people will say, hey, I know you. You did this useful thing. (laughs) That's kind of the idea.
0: You're a consultant as well, right? So you make money by by selling your services. And I suppose...
1: I do. do, But actually, when I originally conceived of doing the book, I wasn't consulting at that time. So, uh, but, you know, now as a consultant, obviously the book is a good calling card as a consultant. If you want to know how I think about stuff, you can read the book. And if you disagree with it, then don't call me. But if you do, then great. uh, And here's how I can actually help you. The the book in some ways is, is kind of the self-help manual for folks that can't afford me or too small for me. Um, You know, you can sort of self-serve by the book and do your own stuff and you don't have to call me at all. But, but I've been that person internally to try to do the positioning and it's, it's hard to drive it yourself internally. There is some magic that happens when you get an outside person and to help facilitate it, which is what I do as a consultant. But Um, but you know, the, the book itself, you know, I'm, I'm sure will drive some consulting business, but it's, it's also going to be a thing I could give to folks or sell to folks for whopping seven bucks to companies that are too small or too broke to hire me as a consultant.
0: Have you raised your prices yet?
1: My consulting prices? Uh-huh. Maybe next year. i right. thinking about next year. You know, it's a funny thing about consulting to startups because they mainly it's the CEOs that hire me and they all talk to each other and nobody wants to get ripped off. And so at an early stage, I decided I'm going to I'm going to pick a price that's fair for my kind of base workshop offering. And everybody pays the same. It doesn't matter if I think, oh, you're super funded and you got all kinds of money or, oh, you're bootstrapped and you don't have any money. Everybody pays the same. And that was a deliberate choice on my part because I know how how these guys buy stuff. They, you know, they talk to everybody else and they say, well, what did you pay? And so if if my pricing is flexible, everyone's going to know and everyone's going to be pushing me to give them the lowest price I've ever given. So. Right now, my pricing is, is, you know, it just is what it is. I don't negotiate it. It's the same for everybody. Will it go up now that I got a book out? Yeah, probably. You know, I'm pretty busy right now. And so I think if I start getting too busy to get folks on the calendar, then yeah, maybe that that would facilitate a price increase.
0: Good problem to have. Um, so not since... yet,
1: though. So get your book, your consulting now before <laughs> prices go up. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> um, so since since the book launched which is a few days ago at the time where we are recording this episode. How many copies did you sell, just roughly?
1: Well, so one thing I'll tell you about books is that it's kind of hard to count. Mm. <laughs> so, um, And and everybody wants to know this number. And I'm a little bit like, I'm not really sure I can count. So I can't give you a few numbers. So, so one thing I'll tell you is that most folks that self-publish a book, which I did, um, will only publish on Amazon. And if you only publish on Amazon, it's quite easy to track how many books you've sold. There's a little bit of a lag because they don't actually show the book as, if it's a paper book, they don't actually show it as sold until it ships. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, my stuff has all been delayed in shipping. It's super annoying. Um, but but I didn't just do Amazon, partly because I'm in Canada and there's a big bookstore here in Canada called Chapters Indigo and they have their own ebook reader and so i wanted to make it available there as well which means you actually have to set up with another distribution channel beyond amazon to mm-hmm. service like those kind of booksellers as well as barnes and nobles and and whatever and so i also have that set up there and then i use that distributor also for uh, buying books. If you know, if I'm speaking at an event, and like I was just at an event in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and it was so fun, <laughs> and they bought a couple hundred books uh, to to give away and do a book signing and whatever. And so, it, and so, those books come from either that other distributor. Uh, or I can uh, I can flow them through this other thing called one eight hundred CEO reads and so so I have multiple channels. Mm-hmm. Is the short answer to this question, and so adding up the books across the multiple channels is a bit of a thing. So I would say I could measure the books in thousands, but I'm not sure I can give you an exact number right. on where it is. I will say that. It exceeded my expectations, so. I I did not write this book with the idea that it's like freaking Harry Potter and, you know, there's going to be, this is going to be some kind of like New York Times bestseller. That's not the kind of book it is. It's kind of a niche book on a niche topic. Um, It's really written for marketing people and founders in tech. I'm more focused on B2B. So, you know, if you're B2C, I'm not even sure, you know, there aren't a lot of B2C examples in there. And so, I'm not actually kind of that worried about the number of books. I am very worried about do people think it's a useful book? Um, Because I spent a lot of time writing the darn thing. And so I, you know, my hope is that people read it and they think it's useful. If it only sells a small number of copies, I'm cool with that. But if the people that bought it, read it and think it's Like this is a useful thing for my business. I'm glad this got written. Then I'm feeling pretty good. And then, yeah, it would be great if that got me a spot where I get better quality clients or maybe I can put my prices up or maybe I'm, you know, a bit more booked up than I am now. I don't know. I'm pretty booked up already, but. Um, You know, that stuff is all good, too. But but I was not trying to optimize for book sales. Let's put it that way. There's a very specific way you do a book launch if you want to optimize for book sales. And I did not do that.
0: Okay, so let's go through the step you took to actually write the book, because you say it took you a long time um and so let's try to retrieve the steps you took and maybe the mistakes you made along the way starting well, so, in, many
1: mistake, so many mistakes right. so, so many mistakes so
0: step one you started to think about a positioning book six years ago so what do you advise folks who are listening to this right now thinking that they have also something to say they like potentially to write a book even self publish it what is yeah. step one what do you need to start with
1: well, so I had this idea. So I had the idea for the book. And the idea is, I'm going to teach you how to do positioning. That's it. That, that, that's the whole idea. And because I know how to do positioning, I'm going to write a book. and It's going to teach you how to do it. But then I very quickly discovered that just because I know how to do positioning doesn't mean I know how to teach anybody how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I went and so the first thing I did was, I I uh, I wrote the speech version of this book because I do a bit of public speaking and I wrote the speech version of it and it was terrible. Nobody under- could understand what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> and you could tell from the reactions when I got off stage, people are like, so you're saying it's like messaging Then I'm like, no, I'm, I'm saying no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And so, so the talk didn't work. Um, And then I was like, man, well, this book isn't going to work if it doesn't even work as a talk. (laughs) It's not going to work as a book. And I was also blogging quite a bit at the time. And some stuff I wrote seemed to work and people liked it and they understood it and they thought it was useful. Again, my bar is like useful, right? Like, do you think this is useful? Would you use this? I'm not going for does this get the most likes cuz you can write something sensational that's wrong that gets a lot of likes like i read mm-hmm. a i read an article yesterday that was talking about well it was kind of sort of talking about segmentation is what it was and and niche markets and things and and i it, it's wrong like based on everything i know across seven startups and launching 16 products the advice in that article is wrong <laughs> but is it popular? Is it getting shared all over the place? Yes, cuz it kind of sounds like it like it makes sense. And yeah, so anyways, you can write stuff that's popular that's wrong and stupid. So anyways, I'm writing about this stuff and I think I'm getting better at the ideas, but I would say I probably spent a year where I thought what I was doing was writing the book. What where what I was really doing is not writing any book. I was Trying to figure out how do you actually teach this stuff in a way that people get it. Yeah, and that took way longer than I thought.
0: So that's I think that's a really interesting concept right there. You didn't start by writing a book. You just start to you know from the topic you've chosen, and perhaps this is something we can talk about briefly. The the topic you've chosen, you've decided already. Can I teach it? You know, can I teach it? Yeah, I don't know. And that's because that's the kind
1: of book I was trying to write, right? So Mm -hmm. I was trying to write this book. I'm gonna teach you how to do this thing. I think it would be different if I had this book that's like, you know, sometimes people have like a concept and they're gonna interview a bunch of people and then they're gonna say what those people said and they're just going to kind of noodle on a concept. This is not that kind of book. My Mine was, I'm going to teach you a process. Step one, we do this. Step two, we do this. Step three, we do this. Otherwise, I don't think this book needs to exist because the conceptual book already exists. That's reason, Trout positioning the battle for your mind. If all you want to know is what positioning is, buy that book. Don't buy my book.
0: But then still, it will still work. I think if, if you're doing a series of interview and you create a summary out of it to have a new concept, you still want to know whether... This has legs, and you still want to test it out using well, a. Does sm- anyone
1: get it? Yeah. yeah,
0: right. Like it's, it's. I think it's incredibly risky to, to launch a new concept via a book if you've ne- if you've never tested before. Yeah, in could front you of a live audience. That
1: would be crazy. Yeah. But well, I think that,
0: be- I think a few people did that, and I think people do do
1: that. I with, think sometimes people. It's really easy to to write a book right now. It's never been easier, right? Like you can get, there are these services out there that they'll basically just interview you and they'll write the book for you even, and then Mm. figure out, and all you got to do is pay. Like it just (laughs) takes money. And so it's really easy to write a book right now. So I, I do know folks that have kind of written a book like that, but you know, they have different goals than I have, right? Like they're, they're writing it. Some of them are like CEOs of a company and they're writing it kind of as this is our point of view as a company. It's almost like a piece of collateral or, you know, a chunky piece of business content. And, you know, they don't care about selling a lot of those books either. They're going to buy their own books and use them for marketing purposes. And that's fine. Um, But, but if you're trying to write a book like, like for me, it was like, okay, I'm trying to teach people something and it seemed natural to me to let's just try to teach an audience and if that works then I'll write down what I'm saying to the audience but you know at the beginning I'm talking to the audience they're not getting it then I started teaching a class at a local incubator and that was also painful at the beginning like nobody's getting it like literally like the first one I did was so painful I I stood up and I thought it was genius too like (laughs) you know I had these I had like a hundred slides and I had two and a half hours and I stood up there and like basically just I'm just going to hate you people with everything I've got. And at the end, literally, people were like, uh, so what's positioning again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Must have been tough for you, no?
1: I failed. <laughs>
0: how, how, how did you feel about it?
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that you have to be careful about. If you're a good, comfortable public speaker, you will sometimes get positive feedback on your speech, even if people understood nothing. Because they just like the way you said it, but they didn't actually understand a damn thing you said. So sometimes you'll get people walk up and go, wow, that was great. That was great. So you're saying positioning is like a tagline then. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so nobody understood anything. So you have to you have to make sure you check your ego a little bit because sometimes people will say, oh, that was really, really great. But they're, Canadians are the worst for this, by the way. Like they're super polite and super nice. And so they'll come up and say, yeah, that was really, really great. And then they'll ask you a question and it's clear like, oh, my God. Hmm you didn't understand a thing. So yeah, so I did the course and that was bad and but it got better, right? Over the course of a year, you can you talk to people afterwards and you say, "Ah, they got this bit, but they didn't get that bit," or "Ah, they got this." Sometimes they would come back and ask you a question and it would kind of spark like, "Huh, like at the beginning I was using a lot of very technical Uh, real company examples of companies that I had worked at. And I still like to use those. But uh, depending on the crowd, sometimes it helps to do an example that has nothing to do with technology. Like I'm literally talking about cake. And that's sometimes helpful for a tech crowd that can't separate the concept from the actual product you're talking about. And so if you give them some generic thing like cake, they, they don't know anything about the cake business or how to make cakes or anything about cake. And then you can sort of get people's idea around the concept and then say, OK, now let's take that and apply it to this artificial intelligence thing. And, you know, and that helped a lot. And so I just got smarter at learning what worked and what didn't work about teaching people how to do it.
0: When was it? That when was like that? A
1: but that was again. We're we're going back like five years or something. So uh-huh. so then I get to the point where I think I'm pretty good at teaching it, and then uh, and then I'm like, okay, I got this book. So um, so I talked to a bunch of people that had published books, and uh, and and they all said the same thing. They said, look, uh, you gotta you gotta go with a publisher because self-publishing is bullshit. And if, if you want to really do this properly, you want a publisher, not just any publisher, either you want a good publisher. And in order to do that, you need to write up a book proposal and you need to get an agent. And so I had a, hand people, a handful of people tell me that's what I needed to do. So I spent a year trying to do that. So like I got a full time job and this is like my side hustle thing. And so I spent a year writing a book proposal, talking to a bunch of book agents and talking directly to a bunch of publishers.
0: So let me just clarify one thing on talking about book proposals. So in the business sense, when you write a business book, usually what publisher would do is you would, you would be asked to write a book proposal. Like you would like a traditional marketing plan. Who's is it for? What's the unique angle of this book? How are you planning to launch it and to promote it? And then a rough outline. So basically like a 50 pager or even more, right?
1: Right, right. I think mine was like about 50 pages. Yeah. And it was like, this is my audience. This is this is what the book's about. These are other books that compare to this book. This is this is the outline. This is a a sample chapter, you know, all this stuff. And the, and the idea is, you know, you got to go sell your book. First, you sell it to an agent and then the agent and you together go and sell it to a publisher. Mm-hmm. And so I got I got literally nowhere with that. And and looking back on it now, it's not surprising because I'm not writing freaking J.K. Rowling here. I, I you know, I'm I'm writing a super niche book for a super niche audience. And what the publisher and the agent want to know is you're going to be the next seven habits of highly effective people. Like Mm -hmm. they want you to sell like a million books. And if you can't convincingly tell them I'm going to sell like a million books, they kind of don't want to know they're not interested because the whole game for them is volume. And so, so I spent a year, it took, it took me like a year to figure that out. Like at first I thought maybe my book proposal is not very good, you know, so I'll rewrite that. Or maybe I'm talking to the wrong agents. So then I meet some new agents and I'm like, maybe I'm talking to the wrong publishers. I meet publishers. Now I do know people that have published books that, you know, didn't sell very many books. Like I, I and, and I think that's fine for some publishers, but they, they kind of, they might sign you up if you've written another book that was really popular and they'll take a flyer on you. But if you're a first-time right. author and you can't make a convincing case that you're going to, you know, at least get a good run at selling a ton of books, they kind of don't want to talk to you.
0: So what happened to the – just briefly on this. So you contacted agents. You contacted uh, then the publishers. What was the feedback? Yeah. Did they tell you explicitly? Listen, this is too niche for us, or they just never replied? What was the feedback? Uh,
1: well, lots of them. Lots of them just don't reply. Lots of them, like I'll tell you, the book business th- th- kind of deserves to die because there's a lot. I got a lot of really dumb questions. Like I literally had people ask me how many followers do you have on Twitter. Oof. Like that's some kind of an indicator of how many books I'm going to sell. <laughs> and I was like. People, you are gotta be kidding me, right? And then they asked me how many people are on your mailing list? And, and if the answer to that question wasn't 10 million, it was the wrong answer. Like it, it was, they think they know something about how to sell books, but they don't actually know. Like what they're trying to figure out is, can you sell the books? Mm-hmm. With your audience, like how much of a following do you already have? And so they're hoping that you say, Oh, I'm super famous. I got bazillion followers on everything and blah, blah, blah. And so, I, and I could have made up all those numbers. Like they didn't check anything. So I could have walked in and said, Yeah, I got 20 million people on my mailing list, 20 million. And I probably could have got a book deal out of that because they, they, nobody ever asked to verify it. Nobody, like, honestly, I got some really stupid questions. So, so there was that. So anyways, I spent about a year doing that. And then I started thinking, maybe I, maybe, maybe this like traditional publishing is not what I want to do. And so then I went and started talking to some folks that had self-published their books and in particular folks that were consultants. So it did by this point, I've started to transition to consulting. And so I, I was thinking about the book more as, you know, kind of a calling card for this is what I do. This is what I think. This is my intellectual property. Maybe you should hire me as a consultant. So I talked to some people that, you know, had self-published their books. And that was super inspiring. So I started to investigate that. But right when I started to investigate that, I had a – I had kind of a weird little detour where um, I – hooked up with a guy that, that like teamed with a guy. We didn't hook up. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. to be clear. We, you know, so, like, so, so, I, yeah, yeah, no, not like that. It's not that kind of a show. Um, <laughs> it's, so I, 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 have a friend of mine that had published a very successful book, um, also for startups. And, and he was thinking about a new book and I was thinking about a new, doing this book. And so we kind of, we kind of yacked and said, Hey, maybe we do this book together. And he's already got a relationship with a publisher. He's already got a big email list. It's not 10 million, but it's big enough. Um, and he's already a known entity. And so if I if we wrote the book together, then maybe we would do it through his publisher and and do it like that. And I wasted maybe a year trying to take a run at that. And that didn't work. Mainly because we're just really different people and we thought about the we were thinking about the topics differently. His process for writing a book was really different than mine. I had a very specific idea. And you know, you can see it in the book now that the idea for the book has not changed. So I had this very mm. specific idea of what this book was gonna be. And then, you know, and then this poor guy comes in and he's like, hey, what about these other things? And I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 the book is gonna be this. Yeah. So I think I was a shitty writing partner. Anyway, so we tried to make this thing work for about a year, and then finally made the call. Like, yeah, this probably isn't turning into a book with the two of us. And so, so that describes the first, like, sort of four or five years of me trying to write a book. All of that, you know, so maybe like four or five years.
0: Interview. So, like, to, <laughs> like to, like like, to summarize. Like
1: a, a probably long amount of time, like literally years, and and all the way through that, people would say, "Hey, what are you doing?" I was say, "Yeah, I'm writing a book." <laughs> <laughs> I was literally not writing a book, like you know, in my like I was. With all of this work leads to the book, but it, but was I actually sitting down and writing the book? Like,
0: no, so not really. No. Let me summarize briefly what you said. So first of all, you had this idea, like you wanted to specialize in positioning. I mean, this is something that you really want to. To write about, you saw a gap. You saw clearly that there was an opportunity there. You started to teach it, or try to teach the the practicality of it to crowds, like in public speaking, because that's one of your strengths, right? So you yeah. you, you explain that, try right? to explain that over slides and public speaking. You got a lot of feedback back and forth, and like the feedback loop kept just, you know, rolling and rolling. You got more and more feedback. You start to improve the way you were explaining. Then you started to get in touch with agents and publishers didn't work out. They wanted uh, you to be the next uh, JK Rowling. And then the last step is you try to partner up with someone who had those connections, but again, you had such a precise idea of the book you wanted to write and. I think people have noticed by now, if they've never heard from you, you have a strong personality as well. I can, I can understand why partnering up with someone else might not Oh yeah, worked. no,
1: I, I, would cra- I would think I was a crappy collaborator on that project. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work. So finally I said, forget it. And then so, so after we split then I literally sat down in earnest. I rewrote the book from scratch, which took me maybe eight months. And then I hired a company to help me self-publish the book. Ah. From the moment I began the rewrite to hiring the company was about eight, nine months. And then working with the company, it took me about a year to get it actually
0: out. Okay. So let's go through those steps because I think this is when we're getting into the the thick of it, the meat of it. When you say writing a book, right? To me, it sounds like a fucking mountain to climb, right? No, sure it's I not.
1: It's actually the easiest part.
0: Okay, the so let's go book. through that. So actually, like, writing,
1: writing the book is so easy. It's all the other things that suck.
0: <laughs> okay, so practically <laughs> speaking, it, it took you eight to nine months. Practically speaking, how did you go about it? Did you sit in front of your computer every day for an hour? How did you go about it?
1: I did. I, I sat in the. I sat in front of the computer every day for an hour, a couple hours. Sometimes I would have like half a day blocked off because I knew there was a section on the book I just needed to sit down and work through. Um, you know, I had. Sometimes on the weekend, I would just be, you know, when kids aren't around or whatever, I'm going to bang out a chapter on this book. Like writing it was was pretty easy. And part of that is because I had done all this work before. So Mm -hmm. I knew what my methodology was at that point. I knew what the steps were. I knew that I was going to have to tee up X, Y, Z before I could get to the steps. Like that's where all like it would take would have taken me longer If I hadn't done all that work of workshop in the thing and doing talks on the thing and working through consultant clients on the thing, like by the time I sat down to do the last, you know, front to end write on this book, I knew exactly the way this thing was going to lay out. I wrote a I wrote an outline and then I just wrote on the outline and had the manuscript done. Wow. Then I and then I did then I had already decided I'm going to self-publish because I'd looked at doing a publisher and it didn't work. At one point, I actually did have one of these publishers come back to me and say, yep, we do want to do your book now. And we had a discussion about it and I still said no. Mm-hmm. Um Because at that point I was like, no, I I think I'm a control freak. I I, I actually want way more control over all this stuff. And I don't want any partners, including you, publisher people. And so um, and then I and then I hired a company that is kind of like a one-stop shop that does cover art, interior design, editing, like macro editing, micro editing. They get you all set up on Amazon, plus all these other distribution channels, like the whole soup to nuts thing, and you just pay them.
0: Okay. So before and that... So that's
1: that's the route I decided to go because I knew I was too damn busy to do all those things separately. And I was going to... My choices were hire a bunch of separate people to do these things, like hire an editor, hire an artist, hire whatever. And then I found these folks to do everything. So I was like, okay, perfect. i just throw money at you and you guys solve this problem. That's how we're going to do it.
0: All right. Before we talk about this step, because I think it's an interesting thing. I'm not sure I've heard of that way of doing things before. Um, the writing beat. So you... You say it's easy. You consider it to be easy. I think, as you said, the difficulty kind of wore off because you were consulting on this methodology. You spoke about this methodology for years. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. And if so, I hadn't had that, I think it would have been a lot harder to sit down. and. Right. A, this was also kind of like the fourth time I wrote the book, right? Like, so I wrote the book, it wasn't totally finished, whatever. Then I realized I didn't know how to teach it. So then I threw it out and I wrote it again. And then I, you know, brought in this partner and rewrote it again. And, you know, there was manuscripts of this book kicking around, but it, it you know, on the last round, I threw away all that stuff and said, forget it. it start from scratch. And Kind of rewrote the whole thing over eight months.
0: So talk to me about the environment you were in. Like so, you were at, what in an office, closed off, like quite silence. You had a yeah. plain text editor in front of you, or you had Word. Yep. What did you have in front of you?
1: I wrote the whole thing in Google Docs.
0: So you had Google Doc. Uh, you had a rough outline, yeah. perhaps something like a, that.
1: I had an outline. I started with an outline: chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Here's how it's going to look, and then just filled in the outline.
0: Uh huh. Okay. So you had the outline, so which is kind of step one, right? I mean, that's kind of the yeah. obvious step one. You don't write a book by just writing the yeah. first line. You need kind of to figure the skeleton out of it, right? Yeah. So you had this outline, you had this Google Doc, and then you took like one hour or two hours a day and did the words flow pretty well every day, or did you have days where you're like, "Fuck, I can't just write anything; it it makes no sense."
1: Totally. Yeah. And I have days like that about work in general. So that (laughs) that didn't didn't stress me out. So, you know, you'd have some weeks where you didn't do anything on the book for a week because you're super freaking busy with work and others. And then you have other weeks where, you know, you got a few days off and you're banging out all kinds of stuff. It's not this nice, consistent thing. You got good days, and bad days.
0: And in total, like how many, so how many words are we talking about for your book?
1: Well, so th- this is an interesting part. So, the original thing that I sat down and wrote was gigantic. So, the, <laughs> the thing I came out with was huge, way too big, in fact. And, uh, I can't remember how many words, it, I can't remember how many words it was, but I remember doing a calculation to see like how many pages would this book be? Mm-hmm. And it was way too many. It was like 300 pages or something. Nope. But I kind of figured that's fine. Cause what I know about writing is that it's way easier to take stuff out than it is to put stuff in. Right. So I just put everything in it and I, and, and it was all there. And my goal on this thing was to make it very short. So I, one thing that I've learned about my audience is they are super distracted. They don't sit down and read a great big book. If it's a whole bunch of text, they're just not going to read it. And again, my goal in this thing is so I'm trying to write a thing that's useful. And so it's not going to be useful if no one's going to finish the damn book. So I originally had this manuscript, and it was giant. But my goal with the manuscript was to chop it in half. Mm-hmm. Right from the beginning. But I figured we'll do that in the editing process. We'll find out where all the where all the chaff is and we'll get rid of it. So the original thing was super, super long. Uh, And then if you if you buy the book now, you'll laugh because the book's a shorty. It's not a long book at all. And there's a ton of white space and it's all broken up and there's all kinds of like diagrams and things. And that's on purpose because I don't believe my folks can can sit down and read 300 pages or whatever. But the original manuscript was, yeah, way longer than what I ended up
0: with. Yeah, and usually what happens in business books that you're reading that are like 300 page, 400 page long sometimes is that it, it goes through the same fucking thing over and over again. So it's yeah, not like...
1: Yeah, my people don't have time for that.
0: Yeah, it's not a, it's, it's not a <laughs> like methodology, a- right? It's like this is my core idea and this is how it's applicable and this is how it's applicable and and it just repeats and repeats and repeats now there are some benefits of that in terms of memory and retention like the more it's repeating different angles the more likely you have to 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 remember it but exactly as you said people are busy right
1: yeah no that was not my my approach to this was not that I was like you know what this book is gonna be exactly as long as it needs to be and not a word longer I'm not gonna repeat anything if you want to go back and read it twice go back and read it twice (laughs) But, you know, I and again, I saw a lot of people launch their books and and I even I'd get the book and the thing was so dang big that I just couldn't get through it. And I didn't want that. What I wanted is a book that you're actually going to sit down, you're going to read it, you're going to finish it. That's the goal. Uh (laughs) So but anyways, yeah, so it it was longer at the beginning, but then it got short.
0: And uh, do you consider yourself a good writer?
1: No, I'm a terrible, I'm an engineer, I'm an awful writer, my God, I'm really bad. So how
0: did you deal with the fact, like this concept of shitty first draft, right? Like you, you sit down every morning or whenever you're the most productive and just dumping words that didn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but you knew you had to go through this first step. How did you deal with that?
1: So I just wrote the thing out, just straight, not worrying about is it written well, or am I saying this exactly perfect? I did one... I, I wrote the thing out and then when it was done I went through and did a massive edit for for understandability with the idea being I got to give this to an editor but I've worked with editors my whole life so I know an editor is going to make this look good even though I can't write at all mm. so I so I did one pass for understandability and then hilariously I start working with the editor and. And the editor says, well, I'm going to do a macro edit. Then I'm going to do a micro edit. So the macro edit, I'm just going to go through. We're going to maybe change the structure a little bit and some stuff. Um, And then and then and then you'll get a chance to review it. And then we'll go back and do line edits where we, you know, we just clean up the grammar and all that stuff. I said, great. And I'm thinking macro edit. She's not going to do anything on that because I got the structure. I know how to teach this thing. I got it. So I send it to her. She takes the thing. She keeps it for like, she keeps it for a long time, like two months or something. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and then she sends me this book back. And I'm telling you, I opened this thing up and I read the whole thing. And I was like, that's an amazing book. I have no idea what that book is about. Oh I don't know. That's that's somebody else's book. That's not my book. I don't I don't I don't actually know what that book is about. Oh shit. Exactly. And and I was like, fuck. <laughs> This is bad. <laughs> and I, in response to that, I went back and wrote the book again.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. How many in, times in, have I, you read this fucking book? Have you, yeah, wrote, so have you written it? I went back
1: and wrote the book again because it wasn't like the, the editor literally couldn't understand it. And I was like, oh, my God, I've written a book that no one can understand. And so then I went back and and wrote it again. And and that was bad. Like I that was really bad. That was probably one of the worst parts. That was the worst part of the whole experience. I canceled all my clients. I took a month off at this point. I think we're six months away from publishing, which it turned out we completely missed the dates for lots of reasons. But I think I'm six months away from publishing. I'm like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. I canceled all my stuff. I sat in a room and I did nothing for a month but rewrite that book so that I could give it to her so that she could understand it and do an edit on it. So yeah, it was terrible. And the whole time I was writing it, I had this panicky feeling like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it back to her. It's still got to, not going to make sense. And I'm going to abandon this project at this point.
0: So in retrospect, <laughs> tell me more about why, why did it happen? Do you think?
1: Well, I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know. Like part of it, you know, some people were saying, oh, maybe it's just the editor didn't understand your stuff. And there was definitely a little bit of that um, because I'm writing a kind of niche book, right? Right. So it's a specialist book for specialist people. So, you know, my editor is not going to – my editor doesn't know what position he is. And so some of it was just her not getting it. But some of it was just, you know, and I would say more of it was me just, again, not doing a great job explaining it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that, that is the, the, literally the hardest part with the book. Like you got to – it's not just the idea. You got to do it in a way that's compelling and interesting and, and people can get it. And, yeah, the first one, she just didn't get it. She wrote – she she fixed what she could. She sent it back to me. I was like, oh, my God, that's some other book. and I And I wrote it again.
0: Jesus. Okay. Yeah, but it was terrible. Stage...
1: It was literally terrible. It was so, de- it was so demoralizing. I was like, Oh my God, this is awful. Blah, 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 whatever. And then I sent it back to her the second time uh-huh. and, uh, and it went better. It went better. Okay. Yeah. And th- then we were going at that point. It was like, okay, now we're going.
0: So that wasn't, that was less than a year ago then, was it?
1: That was, yeah, that was last summer.
0: Okay. So that's so, almost around the same time that we first spoke on the podcast. Um, I think, uh, I remember you talking about the book and not being super, super energetic about it at this stage. Oh, everywhere. yeah. No,
1: I, if you talked to me during that summer, I was probably like, yeah, man, I don't know. Oh, maybe this book comes out. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> at that uh, point, I
1: was like, Maybe I don't have a thing here. At uh, this but stage, I,
0: you rewrote the book like 15, st- 15 times, probably something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, six uh, or seven So, you got in touch with an editor, and which is kind of the next step, right? So, I like what you're saying because you don't seem to really, you knew from the start when you wrote, when you started to write this book, that it wouldn't be perfect. You knew that the rule of like the shitty first draft that you just keep writing and writing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and know- that,
1: that's me with writing. Like I've been a marketer my whole life. Right. And writing is kind of a key marketing skill. And I know I suck at that. <laughs> right. So like I've always had on my teams, I've always had a person who's a great writer. Like writing is not my strong point. Like I like I could I do good enough writing. And a lot of that's just because I've had a lot of experience writing. But but I'm not a great writer. So, so I knew that an editor was going to, I knew what an editor could do with uh-huh. my stuff.
0: And have you tried to to record it, like to transcribe you speaking over it and then using it as the source of the of the book?
1: No. No, no, I didn't. Because, okay. you know, I had training stuff and I had talks and I think all those things are different. Right. I think the book had to be book. And so okay. I did do it that way. I know other people that have done that, but I didn't.
0: So if you hired an editor, you you, you did kind of two rounds. And, and I, I like what you said about the, the macro versus micro. So an editor is not yeah. only someone who's going to just fix one word to make it more understandable, and ed- a good editor is someone who also look at your outline, your structure, the way it flows sure. from a macro yeah. level, and then they would go into the micro after that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So once we have, once you're on this stage, then. Is it when you hire this company to help you like self-publish and, and, and launch the book? Yeah, Yeah.
1: so the, the, editors, the editors work for this company. So okay. I hired okay. them and the editor comes with them. So I hired them and then, you know, and at this point, I hired them at, at like about this time last year. And the idea was I was going to have a book out by the fall. But then there was just like, so first I ended up having to do a rewrite and that caused a delay of about a month. But then... Then I don't know. Like they, they, they missed every date they gave me. Like, okay. <laughs> like every
0: date they gave me, we did not make. Um... So without mentioning who they are, obviously that's not the point of the of, of, of this of this conversation. But if someone listening right now wants to get in touch with such a company, in terms of positioning, actually, it's quite interesting. How do you call those companies? Like, what do they do exactly?
1: Yeah, so there's a bunch of them out there, um, and the, the most famous one is this company. They used to be called Book in a Box, and now they're called Scribe, and I did not use them. I regret that a little bit. I think if okay. I was to do another, I might try them. But um, they – and and there's a bunch of them out, and the, and if you Google, like, you know – self-publishing consultants or, you know, self-publishing, whatever you'll find them. Like there's a lot of people are doing books this way now. So there are a lot of companies popping up that can help you with that. Um, And Yeah. So that's not too hard to find one of those. Okay. Um, but I think that the mismatch in my expectations is they sold me on how great they were at project management. Like, you know, we got the editors, we got the we got the art, we got interior design, all this stuff. And we're and we got a project manager and we're going to project manage the whole thing. And it turned out they were terrible product, project managers, just terrible. And so I had to do a lot of the project management myself which at the beginning I was really busy doing other things and I kind of thought, well, you know, you guys are going to, you know, do what you told me you were going to do. And it turned out, um, You know, like most consulting companies you work with, like if you're not hassling them, they're reprioritizing your stuff to the bottom and some other client to the top. And so there was just unending delays in my stuff. And so my fall launch turned into a Christmas launch and then it turned into a January launch. And then it was going to be February, March, April, May. Like it was May by the time I got it out. So that was super frustrating. And it took me a long time to figure out. Like, oh, geez, I need to be managing these guys better. And once I did, then everything moved pretty fast. But um, I wish I had have known. I took a call recently from somebody that's using using them and said hey, what did you do? And I was like, this will all go really well if you manage them hard.
0: I'm on. I'm on actually one of the the company you mentioned, right? Just to, to check their the service they offer, so they could do like they they would do your proofreading, they would do the book cover exactly. design, interior layout, yeah. the distribution. And these I mean, guys,
1: and these guys, to their credit. The work output was excellent. Like, like it just, it just was poorly project managed. Right. But, but you know, I'm really happy with the cover design. I'm really happy. I had a real specific vision for how I wanted the interior layout to look like, because I think my people are highly distracted and they need white space and they need it broken up. And I wanted it to look like a magazine. Right. And I thought they did an amazing job with that. And, you know, that piece I was really happy with, but yeah, they do everything, and then they set you up on the Kindle store, they set you up on print on demand, and, you know all that stuff. You do the marketing, but that's true for everything.
0: right, so let's talk about that briefly. We don't have a long I time. run
1: out of time run out of time
0: but um in two minutes or so. um so did you handle the book launch yourself then? How did you do that?
1: Absolutely, all of it. So 100% of that was me. So in my mind, I launched the book. My marketing plan for the book was just like a product. So I just took my product launch playbook, and I'm running that right now, which is... You got stuff you do before the launch. You got stuff you do when the thing actually comes out. But that itself is not all that important. And then you got all the stuff that comes after. So the before the launch was, I got to let everybody know this thing is coming. I got to get people a little excited about it. I got to, you know, and you saw me on Twitter and writing a few blog posts and doing a lot of podcasts and, Mm. and doing stuff, sort of saying out on the speaking circuit, saying, look, I'm writing a book on this thing. You should get on my mailing list. You know, this thing is coming. And so that was a good six months worth of effort, just laying the groundwork for that. And then um, the actual launch itself, again, because I was not optimizing for book sales, um, if you were optimizing for number of book sales, there's all these things you do. Like you, you do a big bang one day launch and you try to get all your book sales in one day. In my mind, that didn't make sense for this book. So I did a pre-sale. So I had a month worth of pre-orders and sold like almost a thousand books and pre-orders. Uh, so you could sign up ahead of time and pre-order it. None of those books count as books sold on the day you sold. So if you're trying to get on ah. a bestseller list or something, you don't do that. So, but me, I didn't care. I was like, this is a long, slow burn, man. This launch goes for a year. So I don't really care that much about what happens on the day that I launch it. The day that I launched it ended up being a good day, but it kind of wasn't on purpose. But I think maybe it was all my pre-launch stuff. I don't know. And, you, you know, so I launched the thing. I announced it on all my social channels. I had kind of a popular tweet thread on Twitter and that got a lot of play and I and I sold a lot of books day one. I sold more books on day two. I sold more books on day three, which is weird. And so I hit all these weird Amazon bestseller lists for like a week, which was super weird. Like most of the time you hit for a day and then nice. you disappear. And I, I anticipate mine's going to be sort of a long, slow burn. And then what I'm doing from this point forward is kind of the same stuff I was doing in the pre-launch except it's post-launch. So. I'm doing a lot of podcasts where I'm talking about the book. I'm on stages. And now when I'm on stage talking about this stuff, I can say, hey, by the way, if you think this is interesting, for seven measly bucks, you can go buy the ebook of this thing. It costs what it costs you to get a beer for gosh sakes. And <laughs> so, you know, if I did a good job in the talk, I'll sell a bunch of books. I also have some places where I'm going to speak, they're doing a bulk book buy, and I'm selling a lot of books that way. Um, but I'm not really, you know, again, my my point is not like I don't expect this to be some kind of crazy bestseller. I want to make sure the right people are reading the book and they like it. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. And th- this continues on until the end of the year. Like I'm basically on the speaking circuit until November.
0: Yeah, you were sharing just before the, the start of the show that you were like going for like a six week nonstop book tour, for example. Um, if you had to, <laughs> If you had to select the one thing that worked the best to sell this book, what would it be?
1: It's all the work you do before, right. right? So it's it's setting everything up. It's like people got to know you a little bit and they got to know that you're smart at the thing that you want to that your book is about, right? So so you'll sell more books if you spend a year on the speaking circuit talking about positioning. You know, Mm -hmm. people are going to say, whoa, if she's got a book on positioning, it's probably pretty good. I saw her speak at this conference, you know, and I'm on Twitter writing a big tweet stream on that and I'm blogging and I'm, you know, teaching a class and I'm doing a thousand podcasts and it's, you know, people try to go for these big bang things and say, oh, hey, I'm here and here's my book and woohoo and I think these things, they can sell a bunch of books for a week and then they kind of go, way. I think you got to treat it like building a business. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a long, slow burn. And everything you do ahead of time is going to set you up for what happens on the day that you launch. But then there's all the rest of the days that come after that. (laughs) So it's just like a product launch it's the same thing you don't sell all the product on day one man there's there's lots of days left in the year and um the thing should if it's good get some word of mouth and go around and have people saying you know what i read that thing and it was really good this is what i hope happens
0: i think it's a great way to, to end this episode and, and it's a great summary of what marketing truly is you just apply to a book launch uh, april once again thanks so much for your time for doing this kind of retrospective uh, about your book. I won't have time to ask you more questions, but I think people would have gotten a lot of value out of this episode once again. So April, thanks so much for your generosity once again.
1: Okay, well, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Take care. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get. And I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests. And perhaps I can also... Uh, have you on the show uh, someday. So don't be afraid to subscribe, I'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish. The second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback. We know that this show is not perfect yet and we always uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com, good or bad, please feel free to send me an email. And the last thing I'd like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode, please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on itunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five star review it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker so thank you so much once again and au revoir